0: Thanks for joining us today at The Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. I have this confidence because... faithfulness of God, still inside the storm, the promise of the shore, I trust the power of your word, enough to seek your kingdom first, beyond the barren place, beyond the ocean wave. When I walk through the waters, I won't that is delayed So I will not lose heart
1: how are our church? You good? And it's good to be with you guys in this last week of our series. Hey, before we begin, has anybody ever like put on a not quite dry pair of jeans before? And uh, it's completely distracting and that's all you think about? Yeah, my jeans are wet because of those baptisms, so um, I might be a little bit distracted, but I'll do my best. As we are in our last week of our series, Tools for Life, where hopefully we've been able to offer you so far three tools that uh, will help you in this kind of crazy season of life, where circumstances, situations might cause a little bit of chaos, uh, but they can help us get through that um, and to live into the design and the desire that God has for all of our lives. Today, we're going to talk about God's ultimate tool for our life, and we'll get to that in just a second, but. Um, a week ago, Friday, I was out of town and I had to take in uh, an Uber ride from the, to get to the airport from a hotel. And I jumped in the Uber and uh, I was talking with a guy and the guy said, where are you from? And I said, Atlanta. And he goes, oh, y'all have a lot of hurricanes there. And I was like, um, like, you want to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs? You want to talk about how hot and humid it is there and how hot and dry it is here? Like, you want to talk about hurricanes? I was like, no, actually we don't. And then I remembered last year about this time we had a hurricane come through Georgia and it caused all kinds of damage. And I don't know about you or what happened at your house, but it was like crazy and chaos at ours. We had trees fall. We had huge trees fall that didn't have like deep root bases, but they had wide ones. And so I've even shown some of you that are around here and call this your place of uh, your spiritual home. Uh, I've shown you pictures of that and what that looked like. Um, So we had, we had damage from that that is actually, Still not been repaired, uh, i.e., a big tree that fell on a fence line, and uh, I don't have a chainsaw big enough. You know that 13 incher? It's not, it's not gonna cut it. Literally, figuratively, you know, it's just not gonna cut it. You know, so I told him about that, but I told him what we have more um, than hurricanes is tornadoes, and even though this has been like a, a season where we haven't had a whole lot of tornadoes in Georgia, I told him about tornadoes, and he was like, "Well, which one's worse?" I was like, "Well, you know, there's there's more mile per hour localized in the tornado," and he said, "Have you ever seen one?" I was like, "Yeah." In fact, two summers ago. I was was at my kids' swim meet at Chateau Elan, and, um, and we were standing there. There was a thunderstorm warning, so we had to clear out, and then we came back, and we kind of noticed, or at least Liz and I noticed, that there were some clouds that were swirling right over the pool that just kept moving, and then about 150 yards from where we were, this, like, funnel just dropped right out of the sky. It was crazy, and we talked about the damage that that does, and, um, and so we were just talking about that and, and that that was a regular part of our life. Um, and what we're going to talk about today when it comes to the ultimate tool of life is how sometimes in life we feel like we're getting blown about by the wind. And um, if you drive a little rinky dink four runner that's very narrow and you drive down 85 and it's a windy day, you feel the effects of the wind. If you've ever been in the midst of a tornado, you've felt the effects of the wind. If you've been in the path of hurricane, tropical storm, Irma, by the time uh, she got up here, you felt the effects of the wind. You know that you can feel unsteady. You know that you can feel tossed about. You know that um, that there's this force that's coming at you that you can't even really see where it's coming from or where it's going, but you can see the effects of it. And sometimes the effects of it are very damaging to where the wreckage is is lasting well beyond the the force of the wind that's felt. And so days, weeks, months, maybe years later, there's impact that the wind brings in our life. And sometimes life is like that, where we just... Because of circumstances and situations feel tossed about like the wind. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's going. We see the effects of it and the damage of it, and sometimes it leaves wreckage behind. But today we're going to talk about God's ultimate tool for our lives and how if we will engage in this tool for life and we will understand and value it, then we can be firmly planted And also firmly prosperous. And when I say prosperous, I'm not talking about like prosperity preaching where I'm talking about getting rich because you know God wants you to be rich. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the the definition of prosperity, which is to succeed. And, And what I'm talking about when it comes to success is not worldly success. It's success in fulfilling what God has designed you for. Where we would say that God's design for us is that we in his image and his likeness would bring glory to him through a personal relationship. And so if we will engage in this tool for life, then we will be firmly planted and no matter whether they're tornado-like winds or hurricane-like winds, circumstances in life that kind of come out of nowhere, we don't know where it's going, we don't know where it will end, we just see the effects of it and the wreckage and the damage that comes from it, we'll be firmly planted, we'll be able to sustain and survive in that, and then we'll be fully prosperous, we'll be able to thrive in that. And um, this tool that I'm going to talk about today, it's a pretty popular tool, uh, at least in church, Um, maybe not so much outside, but what's interesting about this tool is that it's actually the number one bestseller of all time. It's been translated into more languages than any other piece of literature and written work. There are more earlier original manuscripts of this piece of literature than any other piece of literature that exists, which authenticates its validity history has confirmed has been confirmed through archaeological evidence time and time again and is still confirming its historical accounts dozens of prophecy have been found fulfilled in it and are being fulfilled it was written by over 40 authors from different places and different walks of life over 1500 years and with different genres of writing and yet it still contains one message And that one message is that you are created in God's image and God's likeness to bring him glory and to find personal fulfillment through a personal relationship with him made available through his love. That's why it's called God's Love Letter by some. And others have just said it simply stands for its title, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Anybody want to take a guess what book I'm talking about? That's right. The Bible. The Bible. The Bible. It's, it's widely talked about in church, but not so widely applied outside of church. And yet it is the ultimate tool for life. Uh, some people might call the Bible God's word. This is God's expression to us. It's been recorded and written down for us. And it actually contains the living word who we know to be Jesus. And so the pages are God's revelation and expression towards us. And inside the pages, we have an account of a living human being who we believe was fully God, who walked the face of this earth 2,000 years ago, who was God in the flesh, the full expression of who God is and how God wants to interact with us. And if we will engage in this tool for life, we'll be firmly planted and firmly prosperous. And I wanna show you that from the pages of scripture. So if you brought your Bible or you've got a Bible app with you, I wanna invite you to go with me to Psalm chapter one, Psalm chapter one. Now, while you're getting there, just to kind of give you some context, um, there are over 1100 um, Chapters that are found in the Bible. In fact, 1189 chapters that are in the Bible. The exact middle point of those chapters is the smallest chapter in all of the Bible. It's Psalm 117. So if you were to go to the middle point of the Bible, it would be Psalm 117. I have a scheduled reading where I read a psalm a day and I actually read one. Uh, Psalm 117 tomorrow. Uh, but this is interesting. The middle point of the Bible is Psalm 117. It's the shortest chapter in all of the Bible. And it actually sums up what I just described, which was the one message of the Bible. And here it is. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all peoples. That means that we are called to glorify God for his For great is his steadfast love towards us and his faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. It's not possible without his love. But we see how we can utilize this tool, this ultimate tool for life in Psalm chapter one. This is uh, the book of the Psalms is a book of poetry. It's a book of songs that are written, worship songs that are written uh, to God, prayers that are written to God. And this is the very first one. Listen to this. Blessed is the man... Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he what? Prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff to the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so the, the author of the Psalms does a couple of things here that you need to have context for. The first one is that he, he gives us kind of this tool for life. And in, in the Psalms, it's called the law. And basically for Hebrew God followers then and now, um, when it comes to the law, basically almost everything that was found in the Old Testament was considered law. Um, as Christ followers, what we would do is that we would extend that for everything that's in the Bible. So from Genesis to Revelation, we would say that um, is the, the law of the Lord. This is the instruction that God has given us for life. And then he starts off with a with the hook for all of us, because we would all desire this. And the hook is the blessed life, the person that is blessed. Blessed is the man, and um, and we are familiar with the term blessed, right? Because we live in the South, and that's one of our favorite words to use in the South. blessed, you know. So, if a person sneezes, and we say, "Bless, bless you," or if you're a faithful God follower, you'd say. God bless you. Yeah, I noticed how many of you left that out. Anyway, we need to—we got some work to do, right? So, God bless you, or bless you. Um, we say a blessing before meals. Um, my my niece, it's, my wife's niece, is dating a guy from England, and apparently, that's not like a part of his like routine to say a blessing before a meal. So we're like, hey, it's time for the blessing, and he's like, oh, you know, what do, we, what do we do? You know, so, you know, we we pray, we pray over our meals, we bless the meal, we bless the food. Um, we'll say bless you or bless a person at the end of gossiping about a person to just kind of dress it up like theologically, right? So we'll gossip about a person and we'll say, oh, bless him or bless her. You know, that's the way we kind of get off the hook for gossiping. Um, I got a text yesterday from a a friend of mine who had a screenshot from something that was posted on social media. It was kind of like an inside thing. Um, And um, and the, the screenshot Uh, included a caption from my friend. And the caption from my se- friend said, bless. And it had like 15 S's at the end of it. And I don't know what that means, but apparently it's like, oh, bless this part. You know, so it was like, bless. And so that's a form of gossiping over text messaging, basically is what that is. So, like culturally, we're very familiar with the word bless. But what's interesting is that scripturally, there's not really a good context for blessings. It's just kind of an all-encompassing word that is used. And, and when it says blessed is the man, we're not really even sure in the Hebrew language if it's a noun or if it's an adjective that describes the noun. What we do know is that blessed is always in plural form. So what that means is that there are certain individuals that are the recipients of multiple expressions of God's grace or God's favor. Things that God blesses us with that we don't deserve. And, And so just to take a quick inventory of what those blessings might be, for this person are the the blessings of of a soul that is well-connected with God, where they experience joy and and peace, or a mind or uh, emotions that are are not double-minded, that are not being tossed to and fro based on the circumstances and the situations of life, but one that is single-minded, a body that is well-connected with soul and mind um, to where we experience healing, where we experience wholeness even in our body. And then I was just thinking about the blessings of God's wisdom. And we've talked about that in the series, if you've been with us, if you haven't been with us, you can check out online, just some very practical tools that the Bible gives us the wisdom for to alleviate some of those most stressful, most tension-filled aspects of our life. And so the Bible is full of wisdom that blesses us in areas like our finances, in areas like our family, in areas like our faith that is really critical, and important to us, relationships and all kinds of different relationship statuses that we could even think of. There's wisdom for that. And so this is what is capable and what is available for an individual. But it's not found in the world's wisdom. It's not found in the world's wisdom. Uh, Interestingly, the the psalmist writes, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And I, I doubt that any of us are actually going out there looking for wicked counsel. And I don't know when you went and did that last I mean, there's not many of us that are going out there and like our intent is to just find like evil, wicked counsel, you know? But we'll run across things that might be good, but they're just not godly. We'll even have friends that try to give us good advice. It's just not godly advice. And then I think the the way that most of us, when it operates into like the counsel of the wicked, is just we kind of like fit in line and fall in line with what the world does, you know, or what's normal. And so we just kind of spend time normally, and we spend money normally, and we hold our faith normally. And so whatever kind of culture is doing, like that becomes our counsel. It's the world's wisdom. And what's interesting is the psalmist is like, hey, you know, like a blessing doesn't come from that. It just kind of goes around. In fact, later on, did you notice? It's like, chaff that the wind blows. It's like tumbleweed in those old Western movies. You ever seen those old Western movies where there's that one little alley, that dirt path that's right in between all the saloons and the barber shop, and see that tumbleweed and, and you hear the whistle, you know, and like, come on y'all, that was good. You know, so like, you know, and, the, and it's just blowing wherever the wind takes it. Yeah, that's the, that's the opposite of the blessed life is a person that's just like tumbleweed, you know, blowing through this Western town, wherever the wind takes it, because the wind's powerful, circumstances of life, situations of life, can just kind of toss us to and fro. They can come and they can bend us. Sometimes they break us, and it will leave wreckage and damage behind. That's not how we get the blessed life. That's not how we're firmly planted and firmly prosperous. We don't get the blessed life from the world's wisdom. We get the blessed life from the word's wisdom. We get the blessed life from the pages of Scripture. And and this is the source of where we received blessing because it allows us to understand who God is, who we are, who God says we are, and how to live in the dynamic of that relationship, being prosperous in the purpose of our life, which is to bring him glory and to find personal fulfillment in him. And the psalmist actually gives us two two tools for the ultimate tool of life. He says to delight and to meditate, to delight and to meditate. So let's just talk about that for just a second. A tool for the ultimate tool of life is to delight in the law, to delight in the word, to delight in the wisdom of God. Not just uh, the, the, the word that's written down, but the word that is living found in Jesus How do we delight in the word? Well, uh, delight's an interesting word because it's an attitude, but it's actually an attitude that's shaped by action. There are a lot of attitudes that you can generate on your own, but then there are other attitudes that have to be generated from action. So this is one of the things that happens from the outside in where what we would say is that most things when it comes to our faith journey happen from the inside out. Where through the repentance, which is a change in mental direction, a change in thought, through the renewal of our minds, we find transformation. This works from the outside in. It's an attitude that forms from an action. And so when it comes to delight, it's an attitude that comes through action. And, and for most of us, I would say, hey, most of us want a bless life. Well, I mean, would you sign on for that? Yeah, but bless life, sign you on. Would you sign on to be firmly planted regardless of the circumstances and situation and the winds that blow in your life? Yeah, you're gonna sign on for that. Would you sign on to be prosperous in all that you do? Yeah, you're gonna sign on for that. Everybody's gonna sign on for that. So most of us have a desire for this, but what we find is that it's not a desire for the word of God, it's delight in the word of God. And most of us need to figure out a way to get from desire to delight. And the bridge from desire to delight in anything in life is found through discipline. Discipline is the bridge from desire to delight. In order for us to delight in the word, we must be disciplined in the word. In order for us to delight in the word, we must be disciplined in the word. And discipline just comes down to this. It's consistent time. It's consistent place and a consistent plan. A consistent time, a consistent place and a consistent plan. And you can take that formula of discipline as the, desi- the bridge from desire to delight and you could put it into every avenue of your life. Hey, you wanna get in shape? What do you gotta do? Gotta work out. So you have a desire to get in shape. How do you get there? Through discipline. Consistent time, consistent place, consistent plan. What happens when you do that long enough? You get to a place where you like actually look forward to working out or you hate it when you miss it. Same thing is true in our eating. What do we do? Specific, specific, specific. And over time what happens is you actually look forward to eating in a healthy way. You you hate it when you miss it. Feel disgusted when when you blow it. And the same is true in our faith journey. Our ultimate tool for life is the word. And in order to delight in it, we need to bridge the desire that all of us, if we pass around the mic, would say we want. The desire, in order to get there, we need discipline. Consistent time, consistent place, consistent plan. Uh, for me, uh, the consistent uh, time is in the morning. Might not be for you, but it's for me. I, w- I wanna give God the first of my day. And I'm more of a morning person. It's in the morning. Consistent place, it's either in the living room where we've got some wide open windows that look out to the trees, even that tree that fell down that's still back there. Um, and, or in my closet, just laying down, It's a consistent place. And the consistent plan is that when it comes to scripture, I read a Psalm a day, I read a proverb a day, and then I'm studying one book of the Bible outside of that. A Psalm a day, a proverb a day, and one book of the Bible outside of that. And that's the plan that works for my life. And what I've found is that I look forward to that time. I go to bed and I'm like, I can't wait to get up and to engage in this book. Um, I hate it if I miss it. Uh, Something is missing if I miss it. That's delight. Um, it can bring about transformation in our lives. I want to tell you a story of a guy named Craig Rochelle. Craig Rochelle is a pastor of a, a really large church and not that bigger's better. Um, and so bigger's not always better, better's better. But this guy, he's an influencer in the nation. He's an influencer among pastors. He's written a number of books. And he talks about his life before he came to faith in Jesus. When he was a middle schooler, he said he was interested in what middle school boys are interested in and that's sports and girls. And then in high school, he dedicated himself to playing sports and playing girls. And then in college, he became the president of his fraternity. And so you can imagine what a typical normal, you know, fraternity does. And he was the president of that. So he's the president of partying and, um, and everything was cool in his life. He was, he was content being the president of partying until, um, one of the sister sororities that's affiliated with him had a woman who died in a car accident, college student died in a car accident. It shook him. And he said, we need to do something different. We need to do something about this. Um, and so what he decided he was going to do is going to start a Bible study for his fraternity. And so he said that they would uh, began re- meeting together as a fraternity. Uh, they would open the pages of Scripture, just kind of flip it open without a specific plan and, and just kind of talk about what that was there for like you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And then he said they would pray. Now, he, he, he admits two things. Number one, he said it was mostly a PR stunt to start the Bible study, just to try to save the reputation of his fraternity. But then the other thing that he confesses is that most of his prayers were that God would protect them while they parried the next weekend, all right? So he confesses those two things, but he also says that as he started engaging in that and began to actually prepare for that conversation, that God began to do something in him, to stir something in him. So then he noticed that there were some letters that were in the Bible that were written in red, which we know to be Jesus's words, Right? And so he started paying a special and close attention to those words and found himself coming and engaging in those red letters and in the pages of scripture every day to a point where it was sometime later, but in a certain season of his life, he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. He became a Christ follower, trusting in him as Lord and Savior of his life. And then two decades removed, he's pastoring one of the largest churches in the world and our nation, obviously. And he's influencing thousands of pastors and millions of Christ followers through his book. And if you use the U version on your phone, it's his church that created that app. This is what it means to be firmly planted and to be firmly prosperous. We must delight in the Word, but we also need to meditate on the Word. Uh, meditation kind of gets this interesting kind of stereotype along with it. You think about sitting crisscross applesauce, which is the way you have to say it nowadays. Crisscross applesauce, you put your hands in a specific kind of posture, and then you do what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what's interesting about the word meditate in scripture, when you go back to the Hebrew, like it's literal translation means to utter or mutter, you know, and we know how to mutter. It's it's basically what we just did, Mm -hmm. because we We speak south, right? You know, we know how to mutter. Um, So it's really interesting that that we kind of think about meditation through that lens. And when you go back to the Hebrew language, that's exactly what it means. And so what it means to meditate on the word day and night is that we allow God to speak to us through intentional questions and listening, and then we utter... Either a specific revelation or word that God gave us day and night. And when we meditate day and night, then we'll be firmly planted firmly prosperous in all that we do. Um, we have a gift that we're gonna give one fam- um, one per family on the way out and all of our students. So if you're a student, make sure you get one. Um, one per family, it's a journal. It's a journal. It looks like this. It's got the Vine Church on the front. It's got our, our mission statement, making disciples, making disciples. Um, we wanna invite you to take that home, find, find the person that really has the desire and is willing to go to that discipline step so that they can get to the light. And, and we wanna invite you, maybe just to start the process of meditation by thinking about by thinking about three questions. If you're taking notes or you've got your um, bulletin, you can write these down and then you can write them in your journal um, when you get home. But those three questions are this, when you're reading through a passage of scripture, the first question is this, what does this say about God? What does this say about God? So just write down the question, what does this say about God? And then as you go through that passage of scripture, just start to, to write down what that passage says about God. And so I was thinking about Psalm 1. You know, there's nothing directly that um, that is uh, like said about God and who God is. And yet what is implied in here is that God wants to give us guidance in our life. The people that I know that want to guide people in life are people that care. The people that have great concern for the destination of other people. Kind of like parents, So what does this communicate communicate about God? Well, maybe that God cares. God's a good parent, so he gives us instruction. What does this communicate about God? What does this say about who God is? Well, well, if God expresses himself in word, that God desires to express himself to us, God desires to reveal himself to us, and if we know that God ultimately did that through um, coming to earth and this man named Jesus then we have a God who desires to reveal himself to us so that we can have a relationship with him. So so you just spend some time. What does this passage say about God? Second question to ask is, what does this passage say about me? What does this passage say about me? This is a great way to meditate. What what does this passage say about me? And so I'm reading through there and I'm like, okay, blessed is me. Am I blessed? All right, well, I don't know. Um, Who walks in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers, or delight is in the law of the Lord and on the law he meditates. Well, like, what does this say about me? Like I either do this or I do this. Which Where am I? Like, am I seeking the, the world's wisdom or am I seeking the word's wisdom? Like, what kind of man am I? He, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in the season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, is he prospers. But the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Am I more like a tree planted by streams of living water that produce fruit? Or am I more like the tumbleweed? you know try to do that again for you guys thank you who did the second part of that which one am i like and so i'm going to meditate i'm going to th- pray and ask god, god which one am i more like And i'm going to write that down and then the last question this is a really important question this is where the uttering and the muttering comes from what do i need to do what do i need to do what do i need to do if 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 i realize i'm more like the chaff that the wind blows and like the trees that fall over, even though they've got a wide root system, but not a deep one, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Because I desire to be firmly planted. I desire to be firmly prosperous. What do I need to do? Delight and meditate. Delight and meditate. And that last answer for that last question is where you hang out the rest of the day until that next morning or that next night, that specific time, that specific place, that specific plan, God reveals to you something new and fresh for that day. And if you'll just start there with those three questions, that's gonna give you a good foundation for being a person who's firmly planted and firmly prosperous. And, and, and you'll prosper, you'll produce fruit in due season. It'll be specific to you, your situations, your environment, your spiritual maturity at that time, but you're gonna produce fruit. It'll be specific to you and it'll be specific in seasons. Listen, there are, there are seasons of rootedness and there are seasons of fruitedness. And you, you, you never find a tree working in, in those two seasons at the same time. There's rootedness and there's fruitedness. And, and so you might be in a season where you don't, you're, you're delighting, you're meditating, You're not producing fruit. Well, you're just digging deep. You're firmly planted. You're digging deep. But then there are those seasons where your life produces fruit. I don't know what that's gonna look like for you. I just know that it's gonna happen for you in a way to where whatever circumstances and situations try to blow you around, you'll be able to stand firm. And then you'll be able to produce fruit and that fruit and whatever prosperity looks like in that area of your life, it's gonna bring glory to God. It's gonna bring glory to God. I was buried beneath
2: my shame Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not Till I' made come on church heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory, I needed shelter, I was an orphan, now you call me a citizen of heaven.